Thanks. Hi, this is Charlie Peck, and today I have Ben Lusk with us. And oh my goodness, Ben, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Just like say hi to everybody first. Well, hi, how are you? Thanks for having me, Charlie. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm I have you on here because you're a curriculum director at Beachwood Independent Schools, correct? Yeah. Okay. And so I know you've been in education for 25 years and you have some experience with administration. And I know you have an incredible lens. I do my homework. And you know that we're always about trying to improve the student experience, but really we're in a, a mental health crisis right now. And so I'd love to see what your thoughts are about, like, what are the biggest problems you're seeing in education right now with regards to mental health? Well, I, I think, Charlie, to be honest with you, that the student mental health has changed significantly in the last three years. I think that we were in one crisis before the pandemic, and I think the pandemic exacerbated that process. Um, and I think that kids just, they're, they're bored with school, uh, they're disengaged, uh, they don't see the point of what we're doing in school, um, and, and the plain old school that we've always done just doesn't work anymore, to, mm -hmm. to put it plainly. Yeah, okay, so that's really interesting you say that. What do you think we should be doing then? Well, I think that kids need, I, I think for a long time, we've considered engagement in schools to be kids paying attention to teachers and following along and just sitting in the rows and listening and, and basically not talking and doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So I think that we need to have a very comprehensive look at what is really important in school, whether it's elementary school, middle school, or high school, and really have some conversations about what skills are really, truly important uh, because I think that that has shifted significantly between technology moving at such a rapid pace with artificial intelligence, the pandemic changing the way the business is done, uh, the skills that the jobs need now. We just need to reevaluate everything that we've been doing because otherwise, you know, we're going to be training these students to go out into the world that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, my gosh. So that, that's a big perspective. I love that you're thinking long-term like that for our kids, yeah. which you need to be doing in what, you know, in your, your role curriculum. Yeah. So what do you think that um, you're going to see that we're going to see in the next five years, that's going to make a significant shift in how we do curriculum? Well, um, I, I think that, that hands-on engaged learning, um, kids getting up out of their seats and doing things uh, having real world projects and not, you know, just the same thing we did in math when probably you and I were in school or we put the ladder up against the house and we tried to figure out the triangle, but real world problems. Um, you know, we've started working with companies from around the region and around the nation to actually solve real problems and having our kids engage with companies and businesses and they get, things, they get two full things out of it. They get to learn what the businesses are really about. Um, because a lot of kids don't really know what businesses do. Um, and then we also get to have them go to these companies and visit and actually produce things. And they're excited and, and they really, you know, they really want to do what we're doing. You know, they go home and they set up Zoom meetings or they go to each other's houses and work on projects. And that's almost unheard of these days where kids, like I said, are just disengaged. So I think we really, really need to look at maybe not necessarily what we're doing, but how we're doing it. I cannot tell you how many times we hear Ben from kids who are just so bored in school. Yep. And so it sounds like you've put a lot of thought into engaging them, not only in their classroom, but in the community, because it is real world. And that's when they truly are making a good connection to what they're going to do in their future. Exactly, Charlie. 
So that sounds like you're doing that and you're, is it in all of your buildings? Is that what's happening? Tell me about that. Yeah. So we have this program. It's, it's a K-12 program and we have identified a key set of standards that we believe that all kids need to graduate with. Uh, for instance, they need to be communicate. They need to be able to communicate. They need to be able to collaborate. They need to sustain their thinking. They need to reflect and grow and, and, and uh, be critical and creative thinkers because we know that these are the skills from hundreds and hundreds of interviews um, from many conversations with post-secondary institutions that these are the skills that kids don't have when they graduate. And our teachers even said the same thing. And my question to them was, okay, so when do we teach that? You know, if that, these are skills that we want and the kids don't have it, we've made a mistake somewhere. So in curriculum design, I think that that's going to have to be um, you know, a big piece is that people need to talk to their local businesses. They need to talk to the businesses or the colleges that their kids go to um, and really start to figure out exactly what do those kids needs. And it might be different here in the Cincinnati area than it is, say, in Kansas City or California. So I don't think it's a one size fits all solution, but I do think that rethinking our education as it exists now is 100 is percent necessary. So if other districts aren't doing this, Ben, what, why not? It's hard. Um, you know, it, it kind of goes against everything we do in, in education, you know, right? I mean, like we want to give grades, you know, grades, I, I kind of have a problem with them because who wants to, who wants to try something new and different and really reach for the stars if you're going to get a bad grade for not doing the right thing? So, you know, we really need to think through that. Teachers love grades. Um, they, they, you know, administrators like grades and parents like grades. So I think that's very, very difficult. But what I do see is that in the schools that I've gone, and I've, I've traveled around a few places to try to implement something like this. And, you know, what I see is that once they see it and, and the teachers realize, like, oh, my gosh, I don't have to work as hard as I do. Like, I don't have to be the person that's running everything. Like the kids get to do it. And I'm kind of like a facilitator. Um, you know, then it becomes a little bit more real and teachers are like, yeah, this is great. Um, you know, administrators are still, you know, they still struggle with it a little bit, but it's just, it's hard. Cause it's just different. You know, it's kind of throwing everything out the window a little bit and saying, you know what, let's just think differently. But you're positioned well to have a, a clear voice in this more of a powerful voice. I would think then a teacher in a classroom because yeah. truly what where you are have you looked at other countries to see what they're doing is that part of your your research it seems yeah like that's actually part of of what i had done um i actually taught in korea for two years uh when i was early in my career and um i also spent some time a little bit of time in china and thailand and singapore and what i saw there is that basically what they do is they teach all students the same whether you're gifted, with your special education, they treat you the same. They have the same expectations because they care about their students. And so that really had a huge impact me on me when I came back to the States. And it kind of percolated in me for quite a while. Um, but, you know, between that and some other programs that I've seen in my life, it kind of all, you know, it kind of all went together because it's kind of like project-based learning, but it's much more than project-based learning. Um, you know, social emotional learning is encapsulated in this thing. So we make sure that we, we give kids resilience, we give kids success, you know, we, we actually we're trying to teach them to fail, which I know sounds crazy, 
but we teach them to fail in a safe place where we can also support them and say, okay, here's how we move forward. And we measure growth, not necessarily by everybody getting to that same criterion point. We, we measure growth by where did you start and where are you now? And so it becomes a very, and I, and I saw that quite a bit in, uh, in, uh, in Seoul, South Korea, that they measured students by their ability, not by the ability of someone else across the country. And it was, it was kind of eye-opening. That is eye-opening because education is very political, especially here. It is. And they have to have a competitive advantage and numbers show that advantage. So how, yeah. how are these other countries then showing that they have an advantage? How are they measuring or showing those measurements? So I think a lot of schools are still doing the PISA test. Um, in the Americas, we call it the OECD test. Um, and it's amazing in these countries that focus on specific skills and abilities. And, and so I think we're very similar in, in one part. So what we do is we measure students by their ability to do things regurgitated back to us on an assessment. Japan, Korea, China, all those places do the same thing, but they take it another step and they say, okay, great, you know this knowledge and now let's try to apply it. And that's really where those schools go above and beyond us because all of those schools outscore the United States on that PISA assessment um, and, and a couple of other uh, international assessments. And they do it because they get to that deep understanding of knowledge and their goal in teaching is understanding, not just knowing actually. Yeah, sorry, did it cut out for you? Oh, did it? No, you, you look, you seem fine. Okay, sorry. It just cut out for one second. I'm sure it's me, sorry. not you. I, and I didn't want to miss something that you said because you had, um, I heard all of it except the last piece. Is there, how um, did you end it? You said that the one thing that, that um, other countries do, especially Asian countries do, is they take it past the knowledge level and they go to the application level. And what happens is, is that they cover actually significantly less standards than we do traditionally in the United States, but they do it to a very uh, a heavily mastered air, uh, uh, level, I guess is the best way to say it, um, through that application process. They actually teach about half of the standards that we do in a given year for, per grade level. Oh, wow. And there's, I mean, what are your thoughts around that? I think that, you know, from looking from standards, let's see, I've been through about four different revisions here in Kentucky. Um, I do think that it's hard, you know, a given teacher has somewhere between, I mean, an elementary teacher, for example, has somewhere close to 65 to 70 standards in all the content areas. That's really, really hard to design your instruction around, design assessments around, like to do it and do it well, that, that takes a lot of time. Um, so I like it because then you're focused. I think that idea of focusing on exactly what you need to do and being really clear about it with students, I think I, I like the idea. Yeah, that makes total sense. And so if we're talking about a crisis and, and I don't think, I don't think that that's over-dramatizing it these days. As you said, there was a problem before, and now it's just exemplified by COVID. And now we're seeing all those results showing up in our schools and our families yep. and communities, right? And so anytime that happens, that we're feeling like we're in the midst of chaos, it seems like the best thing we can do is slow down and simplify. Mm -hmm. And so if we are going to simplify even programming, it does make sense to have less focus. Can you imagine, can you imagine that happening? Uh, the standards being cut in half for teachers, what would that do? Charlie, that would be great. I, I think that teachers would first be able to have some, some real cogent conversations around the standards. 
because the way that they work, I mean, I do appreciate the way that the new standards have been designed. Um, I think they're, they're kind of a, a nerdy, beautiful symphony. Um, but the reality of it is, is I can sit down with them all day long and, and understand them. And I've been on, you know, national teams doing that. And, and that's great, but teachers don't have the time for that. They've got lessons to plan. They've got kids to work with. They've got things to grade. They've got to do all these things. And they just don't have that luxury. And so I think to cut them in half would actually give that a fighting chance to happen. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, I never really thought of that. Nobody's really said that before. And compared to what some other countries are doing, that their their standards are cut in half. That's great. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's then go into SEL a little bit. I know that you had said SEL in your district is handled in a way. Um, you tell me if it's working or not. So tell me what you're thinking. So we kind of have two different two different SEL programs going on. So we have one that we bought off of a shelf. I, you know, I, I think it has, it does things to a certain point. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it kind of focuses a lot on bullying. Um, it focuses a lot on some things that I think are, you know, they have importance, but that's kind of all that they do. You know, to me, you know, really social emotional learning is understanding how to talk to other people. It's how to, you know, it's how to communicate. It's how to work with other people. Um, and so I, I would say that it works up to second or third grade. After that, the the situations become almost cartoony to kids. Kids tune out. You know, there's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of meat on that bone there, so to speak. Um, and, and our second way of looking at SEL is to embed it into basically what we do on a daily basis. You know, it's, it's the way that we do business. It's trying to teach kids compassion, teach kids how to be resilient, how to resolve their problems. It's just, it's just a part of what we do. You know, we look for those opportunities to have that sort of quote, quote unquote, teachable moment. And really be able to kind of hone in on, okay, here's the specific skill. Let's talk about this and let's apply it right now and, and, and move on. So how are you rolling out the kind of that, essentially the training for kids that way? So that actually rolls into this other program that I've talked about. So we kind of put them all together. And it's amazing that when you put a group of kids together into problem solving and they're working in a group together and they're just not coming up with a solution. That's when you can stop them and say, hey, look, let's have a conversation about this. How can we resolve this? And you don't necessarily succeed the first time and maybe not the second time, but the repetition really helps them to understand that when they have conflicts with kids in their groups, they have conflicts with kids in the classroom, you can stop and say, OK, let's let's have a talk. Let's have a talk about this. How do we resolve this? And, you know, how do we understand that? Sometimes, you know, we talk about feedback quite a bit as being a really important aspect of, of social emotional learning, which is kind of weird. Um, and, and I don't hear that a lot, but I think it's really important that kids feel proud enough of their work to not only just want feedback, to really actually go out and seek feedback and like say, look, here's what I've done. What do you, well, give me, tell me what you think I need to do. We teach the kid on the other side to do that well and to do that with compassion and, and so on and so forth. Um, and then so now we have this community that we're kind of building where everybody's willing to help everybody else. Um, everybody's willing to give everybody feedback. Um, if, if a kid stumbles, a kid falls, literally or metaphorically, there's somebody there that's want, that wants to help them. So it's just, again, it's we don't roll it out in a training 
we don't have, you know, we don't have a specific thing that we do with the kids. It's just a process that starts in kindergarten and works its way up all the way to the 12th grade. Yeah. I mean, that's ideal. That's totally ideal. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's perfect. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's definitely, (laughs) there's definitely some issues, but yeah. Well, there, there's going to be issues, of course, and and especially in these this day and age when everybody's just so overwhelmed. I mean, it's impossible to put any kind of new programming in if right. it's if it doesn't embed if it's if it's right. not infused into your daily practice, of course. Yeah. And so, one of the frustrations I had as an educator and then stepped into therapy is, um, like, literally became a therapist, <laughs> not necessarily the other way around um, <laughs> yet. And uh, anyway, so I one of the frustrations is. Part of the SEL programming that we've seen is for the last 30 years, SEL clearly has data to support how important it is. Mm -hmm. The way we've rolled it out in the last 30 years, regardless of any conversation we're having, we're still in a mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't fixed that, the way it's been rolled out. The way it's intended is not the way it's actually applied. And the reason is because we're just so darn busy and there's inconsistency, right? Mm-hmm. So again, going back to the frustration I, that I've been thinking about for years is why is it that we're teaching kids to be resilient and teaching kids these skills, but then we adults in their lives are not learning it. We we teachers, educators, parents, we're not learning it, but right. yet we're throwing those kids right back into those same toxic environments with stressed out parents and burned out teachers, but we're expecting the kids to function well. And so how are we doing this to equip educators so that they can properly and consistently roll that out to kids? So I, I think you just hit the nail on the head. You, you can't do one without the other. Um, so I, that's really where more of, of the programming exists, like where we have trainings and where we have things that we do with teachers uh, to specifically talk about, um, you know, how do we, you know, how do we become resilient as a teacher? You know, when somebody gives you something that's different, you can't let, you know, run around and start freaking out. Um, you know, how do we how do we build that resilience? So, again, a lot of that is, is that our teacher work looks actually a lot like the student work. We work on projects. We work on things together. We have conversations at the point where we need to you know, talk about a specific issue. Sometimes it's uh, OK, let's sit down and, you know, we're going to talk about this. We're going to workshop something, uh, you know, and, and put it out there. Um, but it, it shouldn't be really much different from the kids because it's really it's the same problem. Now, you go at it from an adult point of view, but still it's it's basically the same thing. Um, you can talk to teachers and much, obviously on a much, much, you know, uh, more adult level, but, you know, I think that you have to have, when you work with teachers from an administrative point of view, you talked about all these things that are piled on teachers. I think that one thing we need to do as administrators is evaluate that. What are all that we putting on teachers? And whenever we put something new or we ask a teacher to do something new, we need to think, okay, well, what are we going to take away? Because without that conversation, then you're just piling, piling, piling. And then at one point, somebody's going to come in and say, like, look, we're doing all these things and it's not doing anything. Like you said with SEL, we're doing SEL, but it's not having any points. So then why are we do? Why do we keep doing the same thing over and over again? And, and that goes in with, you know, pro other programs besides SEL and other practices that we have. Um, you know, so I, I think that that you have to tackle the teacher problem. I think you have to have some some tough conversations with teachers sometimes. Um, but then I think you have to have also too in there you have to have some mentorships. You know, some teachers just really need some guidance. 
we've had teachers that have been there for 25 years and they've never been anywhere else. So they've got to get out of the, the bubble, so to speak, and they've got to go see what other people are doing, just different ideas. Um, and sometimes, you know, they come back and they're like, well, can, can we do these things? I'm like, yeah, you can. That's what we want to do. That's why we sent you out there. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of ways to do it. But I think if you don't address, like you said, the teacher problem, then you, you're only fixing half the problem. Okay, Ben. So how do you work with teachers who are stuck in their thinking? Because I know you have. How do you work with them? <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, my from an administrator point of view, I find the most steadfast person that's just going to buck me the whole way through it. And, and I work with them. And I get that person to get on my side. You know, most of the time it's just the, I think the natural reaction of teachers is just say, no, you know, it's kind of like an IT guy, right? Like, no, we can't do that. Um, but the teachers, honestly, they say no, because like you said, they're, they're piled on. They have so much to do. So we find that teacher, we work with them. We show them some examples and say like, look, here's how you can work this into your classroom. It's not another thing. It's just looking at what you do a little bit differently. Um, I'm there. I'm going to be here to support you the whole way through it. We'll workshop after it's done and we're going to have a conversation. And then next time I'm going to, I'm going to work next to you. So it's kind of the, I do, we do, you do kind of a thing. And um, you know, just like a gradual release of, of letting them do it. And any teacher that's worth their salt is going to definitely go along with that and say like, yeah, I, I, I really, I, I think this is a good way to teach because it does everything I want, right? As a teacher, I don't want to have to be the person that does everything because that's what wears me out on a daily basis. Right. And two, I want to let kids really, really learn what it is that I'm trying to teach them. And then thirdly, it, it's at the end of the day, the kids are tired and I'm not worn out because they're the ones doing all the work. So it, it really helps with the whole problem that teachers have. Um, and, but you just got to show it to them. Like as an administrator, you got to go in there and you've got to be willing to, you know, wrestle that bull, so to speak. And, and, you know, the one that's going to push back on you, once you get that person, then you, you've probably got another five to six months of work, but you, but you're really starting to, to get it in place. What is it? That one thing that you notice that you have showed them that gets them over that hump then? Kids excited. Like I can you, give you show them, you put, do you bring them into a classroom where someone's implementing the plan that you have to show them how it's working? Either into another classroom or I'll go in and do it. I, I believe that as an administrator, like I've got to keep my teaching skills up too. So it, depending on their comfort level, I'll either have them go to another classroom. I'll come in the classroom. I'll deliver it. And all it takes is that one day where they see kids smiling and having a good time and making all kinds of noise in the classroom and, and seeing that at the end of the day, when they're walking out of the class to their next, their, their next course, like there's that buzz, like they're just, they're chattering, they're talking. And like, I can't tell you how many teachers have been like, oh my gosh, I haven't, they haven't done that in forever. I'm like, well, you gotta, you know, let's, let's look at it different. They're like, okay, well, how do I do this? on a daily basis. And then we have a conversation about that. So it's just, it's just a process. And, and again, I think that's the difficulty of looking at it different is, is you've got to have, I guess, somebody as stubborn as me that just wants to keep on going with it. But <laughs> That's good. We need people like you who are stubborn in a good way, in a good yes, way, right? looking for that change for sure. Yeah. So if you had a magic wand and you were in charge of the entire district, wow. what's the first thing that you would do? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I would, 
I would probably, uh, first off, I would give probably teachers a pay raise. Um, I think they, you know, they, they work really, really hard. Uh, they spend a lot of time in the building and, you know, that would be a great morale booster. Um, I think they would very much appreciate that. Um, you know, and I think secondly, I think we just kind of look in, we go and look at our, some of our systems. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? What data does this produce? And if it's worthwhile of, of what our strategic goal is, then let's keep doing it. And if it isn't, then maybe we should really reevaluate that. Um, so I, I would probably start at that big system level, give teachers a raise, start looking at our systems, working them down, and then, um, and then just really kind of work from there. Yeah, you just became teacher's best friends when you said that. <laughs> so. I'm not above a little bit of bribery, you know? Well, and it's true. And th those other countries, by the way, they do pay their teachers a lot more and they have really great benefits and they're supportive of families because teachers are parents too. Not all of them, but of course it's a part of it. And right. also, also what they do is they view teachers as professionals and that is key, isn't it? It's about the it value. Is. Yeah. Um, I think that's ahead. another part of it too, right? You've got to look at our structures of days off. I, I agree hundred percent with you on that family time. We really got to, that, that work-life balance has kind of gone away. We really need to evaluate that too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we champion people who try to do it all, but then they're really missing out on something. So it's just not impossible to do in today's exactly. standards, right? Yeah. Um, and then one of those systems, like what is the first system you would look at changing or process? Um, I think to go with what I just kind of talked about is, is our work days. Um, you know, I think that, you know, there, some of that is just set by the state it's just state law. That's what we have to do, but I, maybe we can look at doing them a little bit differently. Um, I, you know, again, asking me right off the top of my head, I'm not hundred percent sure exactly where we go with all that. Yeah, um, but I would definitely want to do some things differently. I think looking at the, the whole schedule of the district would be worthwhile. Um, I think some kids do really well, and I know this is, I'm going to go out of the box here, but um, I think that looking at a traditional school schedule, starting at eight, ending at three, works for some kids perfectly, um, and, and works for some teachers perfectly, but it's hard, and I remember when my kids were really little, and I'm dropping them off at daycare, it was really hard to get to work on time, so do we have to have that same schedule for everybody? I don't think so. I think there's definitely some ways to go about it to be a little bit more family friendly. You know, maybe sometimes, you know, th there's work that we do in the summer that would love to have teachers come in and do and maybe either give them extra money or relook at their schedule and maybe they're not there quite as much during the year and they can work during the summer. I think there's there's a value in that. Wow. That sounds like something you've been thinking about for a little while. A little bit. Okay. A little bit. All right. I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, and I, I know that there's a lot more we could talk about, but I'm going to wrap it up for you because I know okay. you're a busy person. So thank you for the work you're doing. Absolutely. Is there a resource that you can, that you have to offer anybody or want to suggest to anybody? Yeah. Anybody that wants to learn a little bit more about the, uh, the program. Um, again, I've got a K-12 curriculum written, uh, that has all this stuff that I've talked about in it. Uh, they're more than welcome to get in touch with me. I believe that you put my LinkedIn and my uh, Twitter handle on there. Um, more than happy to talk to anybody, sit down and, and go through things with them, take a look at their school, do whatever, and uh, and give them a hand. Because, again, I think it's a little bit revolutionary, and, and I think that it's something that can really kind of change the way we do business. 
Absolutely. And if anyone really does want that, please reach out. So Mandy's on LinkedIn and just so the listener hears um, and on Twitter, did you say? Yeah. It's at Lusk, L-U-S-K underscore Ben, B-E-N, correct? Yep. Okay. It's important because they they probably will want to reach out to you because that is great curriculum. It sounds great. I can't wait to look at it myself. Yeah. I'll send it over to you. Oh, good. Good. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Ben. I appreciate your time and I appreciate this very much. Yeah. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Okay. 